In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. God willing, we're going to continue studying the book of Second Kings. And I know we've started getting into a lot of the names and a lot of uh, different dynasties and generations of the kings, and we're trying our best to keep it all straight um, in our mind. Last time, um, Joash, also known, uh, known as Jehoash, became the king of Judah at the age of seven. And we said that his life was divided up into two parts. The first part of his life, um, when he was under the instruction of Jehoiada, the priest, he was following the commandments of God, and he made an effort to renovate the temple. But after the death of the priest, Jehoiada, um, he turned back to idol worship in the kingdom of Judah, um, and, and um, he actually gave away all of the articles of the temple to the Syrians in order to um, in, in order to, to keep them from attacking, from, from conquering them. Um, in the northern kingdom, uh, we read about the final, the final days of Elisha, and he predicted the victory over the Syrians, uh, and uh, he prophesied how many times uh, that the, the, the Israelites are going to win and conquer against the Syrians, and then we read about um, the death of Elisha. So um, to go... Again, very briefly over <coughs> kind of where we are right now. So on the left here, you see um, the kingdom of Judah. This is Joash on the left. That's uh, where we were. Um, and then we spoke about um, there is, uh, I'm trying to remember how far we got, um, the, the, the king of Joash, Jehoash as well on the, on, 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 the, on, the, on the right side in the kingdom of Israel, which is the northern kingdom. So Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and a lot of the names of the kings actually are, are overlapping. So I'm going to try to highlight that um, as we go through this. Father, I just want to say that for the first time, I actually went to listen to the whole thing so I can prepare for you asking what did we discuss last time. Oh, uh, so do you want to tell us? No, you're, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> I'm sorry. I figured I would spare no, you. Kidding. I would spare you from having to remember. Um, okay. In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. So this is which Joash? Which of the Joashes is this? The northern one. Okay. Who here? He's called Jehoash. Right? So he's Jehu, Jehoahaz, Jehoash. That's this one he's talking about. Jehoash is going to be the father of Jeroboam the second. Okay. Um, so in the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of the other Joash on the south, okay, king of Judah became king. So we're talking now about um, uh, uh, Amaziah, okay, in the, in the southern kingdom. He is the son of Joash in the southern kingdom in the kingdom of Judah. Amaziah now has become king. Now, if you remember from last time, Joe can remind us because he studied, um, that uh, it mentions in chapter 13 about Jeroboam II, which is the son of Joash becoming king. So as we said, sometimes there is, in order to give us the full picture of the history, because there's two parallel histories. There's the history of the northern kingdom, and there's the history of the southern kingdom. So to give us the full picture of the history, sometimes there's backtracking, right? So even though it was mentioned already that Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, became king, right? We have backtracked a little bit, okay? And now we are talking about, um, uh, so, sorry, the son of, uh, yeah, uh, we're talking about Amaziah, the son of Joash. Okay. During the reign of King Joash in the north, Amaziah, the son of the southern Joash, became king in the south. So that's what this is saying. He was 25 years old when he became king, 
and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like his father David. He did everything as his father Joash had done. However, the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So there was not like the act of idol worship, but there was still the high places where people would be offering sacrifice and burning incense on these high places. So the kings that were truly like the righteous kings, the ones that uh, they would say were like King David, would be the ones who completely removed all idol worship and the high places and everything. Whereas many of the kings, um, they, they, they didn't allow the idol worship, but they allowed the worship at the high places. Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established in his hand that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king. So if you remember, Joash, right, the one who, the one who started as a seven-year-old kid, became king. First half of his life was good. Second half of his life wasn't good. That one. And by the end of his life, he ended up giving up all of the articles of the, of the, of the, uh, of the temple, and he made a disaster of everything at the end. Okay. So, so the his his people were not happy with him, and two of his servants plotted against him to kill him. Okay. Amaziah now, who is the son of Joash, once he becomes king, he what? He executed those people who killed his father. Okay. But the children of the murderers he did not execute according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, in which the Lord commanded, saying, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall be put to death for his own sin. He killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah by war and called its name Jokthil to this day. The land of Edom, who are the Edomites? The children of Esau. And Edom, the land of Edom, was a land south of Judah. Okay, that's where they dwelled. So here, the kingdom of Judah, um, and many times was at war with the Edomites. And so here, saying he killed 10,000 of the Edomites. Amaziah did. Amaziah, the son of Joash. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoahash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu. Where is he? In the north. This is the other Joash in the north, so we don't get confused. Amaziah is the son of Joash in the south. This Joash is the, is the king of the north. The Edomites are from Esau, Jacob's brother? Yes. Are, are all the other ites also from Esau, Edomites, the Ammonites? The no, they're all from different uh, okay. ancestry. Okay. Yeah. So they're at war with their own family members? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Edomites and the Israelites had been at war for a long time because they were never really at peace with one another because of their whole history of how they started. Yeah. Um. So Amaziah sent messengers to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. So now they are going to have a war, right? So remember, there was a period of time where there was peace um, and even an alliance between the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, okay? But now, under Amaziah in the south and Joash in the north, there is going to be enmity and war, okay? So Amaziah from the south sending messengers to the north, telling Joash in the north that we are going to go to war. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife, 
and a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in that, and stay at home. For why should you meddle with trouble so that you fall, and you and Judah with you? Okay, so he gives this very roundabout kind of response, right? What does it mean? Okay, so he is he what 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 the what Joash in the north he's responding now to Amaziah in the south, right? Amaziah sent him saying we're going to go to war, and Joash in the north he's saying you are prideful because you have just defeated the Edomites, killed ten thousand of the Edomites. You're prideful and you think you are powerful that you are now coming to fight against us. And he gave this little uh, story, this little allegory, right? And he is comparing himself in Lebanon. He's comparing himself. So Lebanon is very well known for uh, the cedar trees, okay? So he's comparing himself to this powerful cedar tree, and he's saying that, um, that, that Israel is like a thistle. You know what a thistle is? It's like this very fragile plant, very fragile plant. So it's saying like this fragile plant is coming to war against this very strong cedar tree, okay? And so, and, 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 and he gives this example of like um, the, a man who is coming, requesting, saying, give your daughter to my son as a wife, meaning, meaning kind of like the thistle, and which represents Israel, okay, or, or Judah, sorry, um, is a lowly man who seeks, to seeks like, for, like the daughter to, for, to marry his son. So it's like, 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 like the, a lowly man who is seeking for like a strong and noble man to, to marry his daughter. So it's like he's like he's essentially saying that Judah is lowly and weak and vulnerable and prideful and should not come and stand against Lebanon, who is powerful and glorious. Okay, or or in this Israel, Israel who's powerful and glorious. Does that make sense? Okay. But Amaziah would not heed. Therefore, Joash, king of Israel, went out. So he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. So Amaziah is the one who started the war, but he lost. Okay, he was prideful. Then Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. And he went to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate. 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and hostages and returned to Samaria. Like it's like every single generation, like the, the temple, the house of God is being pillaged, is being plundered, is being destroyed. Right. Every time they try to make any effort to build it up, it's like being destroyed again. Kind of like, you know, a person who makes any effort to build themselves up spiritually, but is living a life of sin right and 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 separation from god no matter what efforts that they do no matter whatever whatever good they try to do it's like they are they are they're they're, they're it's like a losing game for them they're all at any time they try to do anything good it's defeated right because it's not filled with the blessing if you look back you know it seems like now such a long time ago when we read about king solomon at the beginning of first kings Right, and we see the glory that was in Israel, and how God blessed everything, and how Israel was united. Israel was the mightiest nation in the in the world, the wealthiest nation in the world. That uh, everyone was in awe of Israel. That other nations would come to see the glory of Solomon, and Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. All of that because the glory of God was with them, right? But after generations and years and years and years of idol worship, and the destruction of 
um, and, and the, the, the disobedience and the rebellion against God, we see now that there is war, there is civil war, there is fighting, they're like they can't stand on their feet. Every time they make any try to effort to try to restore themselves again, they keep falling, 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 because the grace of God is not with them. Now the rest of the acts of Joash, which he did, his might, and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Joash rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. So this Jeroboam, again, we said this is Jeroboam the second, okay, and he was mentioned in chapter 13. So we kind of like rewinded a little bit, talked about this event that happened, the birth of Jeroboam and, and, and Jeroboam the second becoming the, uh, the, the next king. <coughs> Amaziah the son of Joash king of Judah lived 15 years after the death of Joash the son of Jehoahaz king of Israel so even though uh, Judah was defeated in the battle but the king uh, he, he remained the king okay he didn't he was not killed and he remained the king of the south okay now the rest of the acts of Amaziah are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah and they formed a conspiracy against him Jerusalem and he fled to Lachish but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. So he was also assassinated, just like his father was assassinated. Then they brought him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his father. So who is the next king after Amaziah? And the south, Azariah, who is the son of Amaziah. Okay? And this, uh, this place, Elath, they're saying was being restored to Judah. This was like a marine port north of the Gulf of Aqaba and the Red Sea. So this was like a, an important port that um, was restored um, during his reign. In the 15th year of Amaziah, so we're, we're, we're rewinding a little bit so we can talk about the north. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. So it's talking now about Jeroboam, Jeroboam the second. Jeroboam the second was king for 41 years. Okay. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat. That's the original Jeroboam, the very first king of Israel who sinned against God who set the president of idol worship in Israel. He's saying he is continuing the same works, um, the one who had made Israel to sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken, through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath-Hefer. Who is this? This is the, the Jonah, the Jonah the prophet, right? It's interesting because this is the only other time that we hear about Jonah the prophet other than in the book of Jonah. So lest we think that the only thing that Jonah did during the time of his ministry was the encounter with the Ninevites and the whole getting swallowed by fish and all of that. No, actually here, uh, this Jonah was a contemporary at this time. And then this was the period of his life and his service. And he had prophesied um, that, that this territory was going to be restored again uh, to Israel. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if this was before or after. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter. 
And whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. And the Lord did not say he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Okay, so Jeroboam, Jeroboam the second, who was reigning for how many years? 41 years. He was actually a very successful king politically, like, like, like in terms of being a king successful in the upkeep and the, and the, of, the, of the nation. He was very successful, even though he was evil in, in that he was promoting idol worship, but he was able to help rebuild the nation and increase its strength. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, his might, how he made war, how he recaptured for Israel from Damascus and Hamath what had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Okay. <coughs> so Jeroboam rested with his fathers, the kings of Israel. Then Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. Okay. So if we zoom in here again, Right, so we, we just talked about Jeroboam the second, who was king for forty one years. Now Zechariah is going to be king. Zechariah is his son. He is going to be the last, um, uh, the, the last of the dynasty of Jehu. Remember, Jehu is the one whom God appointed to be king, anointed to be king, so that he could go and destroy the house of Ahab. And so, the the house of Jehu came Jehoahaz, Jehoash, and um. Uh, Jeroboam, okay? No, no, that was the prophet Zechariah. This is a king. His name is Zechariah. Um, and, but in the uh, prophecy, uh, or sorry, in, in uh, Second Chronicles, I believe, it says, And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, meaning when he called him to kill all the house of Ahab, said, your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Right? Meaning what? That there was going to be four generations of the house of Jehu to be in power in Israel. And that's exactly what we had. Jehu, Jehoahaz, Joash, and Jeroboam the second, and Zechariah. Right? So four generations after Jehu, okay, is what, is, 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 is when his house remained in power as the kings of Israel. Okay, and that was the that was that was the the Lord said that to Jehu. He said, "Because you have done what was right, meaning you have killed the house of Ahab, like I told you to, okay, um, I am granting you four generations to be king." And so this Zechariah, now the one who has become king, he is the last of the four. He's only going to be king for six months. Okay. Chapter fifteen. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. So remember Jeroboam? So again, we're going back in time. Every chapter, it's like we go back in time so we can examine what's happening in the other kingdom at the same time as the kingdom we were just talking about. So it's just so we don't get confused. I know this is confusing. Okay? Remember, we said Jeroboam reigned for 41 years and Zechariah became the king after him. Okay? This is in the north. Right? But now we're saying, let's backtrack. Okay? The 27th year of Jeroboam, when Jeroboam the second was still king of the north, Azariah, the son of Amaziah of Judah, became king. Okay. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jokaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right on the side of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Except that the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. Then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. 
So he dwelt in an isolated house, and Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land. So if it's saying about him that he did good, right, why is it that he was struck with leprosy? Why is it says that the Lord struck him with leprosy? Many kings didn't remove the high places. So this is where it is useful, okay, to, um, th this is where it is useful to uh, read the Chronicles. Remember, Chronicles and Kings are like parallel accounts, and there are some details that are mentioned in Chronicles that are not mentioned in Kings and vice versa. Now, here's another twist, okay? Who is the king we're talking about now? What is his name? Azariah. But Azariah had another name, okay? He was also called Uzziah. So Uzziah and Azariah are the same person, okay? Second Chronicles chapter 26 talks about the life of Uzziah, who is Azariah, okay? And it says this. This is in verse Second uh, Chronicles 26, 16. It says, but when he was strong, so uh, this king, he was also very successful. Like actually in that chapter, chapter 26, it talks about all these accomplishments, all these things he built and all these things that he did. Um, so then it says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Why is that wrong? Because he's not a priest. So Azariah the priest, this is a priest now named Azariah. They all shared their names, I don't know. Went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord besides the incense altar. Okay, so the leprosy came on Azariah the king, who's also called Uzziah, because he tried to offer incense in the temple while not being a priest. And we see... Uh, examples, many, many examples all throughout the scripture of men who tried to take the role of priest without sanction, and there's always disaster that happens to them. There was never a single time we read about in the scripture where a person took the role of a priest um, without, without the permission of God, and they were fine, and everything was okay, right? This is why we, we take very seriously this rank of priesthood and saying that God calls certain people to be priests, okay? Um, and so this is a very important thing in the eyes of God. From the very beginning, he had appointed a certain class of people for the priesthood who are the sons of Aaron, and only those people were permitted to be priests, right? No one else outside of the sons of Aaron could be priests. So that is why uh, the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. This is King Azariah. Now, the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Azariah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. So Jotham, the son of Azariah, became the next king. In 
the 38th year of Azariah, the king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel and Samaria six months. So this is Zechariah we'd already mentioned before. Zechariah, we're focusing now on him. Saying Zechariah, who, the son of Jeroboam II, he is the last of the dynasty of Jehu and the kingdom of Israel. He became king. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck him and killed him in front of the people and reigned in his place. So now the dynasty of Jehu has ended. Okay, and this man, Shalom, he, become, he kills him and he becomes king in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed, are they written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? This was the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Jehu, saying, Your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. This is the, what I mentioned as the prophecy that he had been told, Jehu had been told. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. What was the other name of Uzziah? Azariah. Very good. Shalom was king for one month. For Menahem, the son of Gadi, went up from Tirzah, came to Samaria, and struck Shalom, the son of Jabesh in Samaria, and killed him, and he reigned in his place. Okay, so Menahem comes, and he takes the place of Shalom. Now, the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which he led, indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Then from Tirzah, Menahem attacked Tifsa, all who were there in its territory, because they did not surrender, therefore he attacked it. All the women there who were with child, he ripped open. In the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Menahem, the son of Gadi, became king over Israel and reigned 10 years in Samaria. So in Samaria, uh, or in the northern kingdom in Israel, Menahem, he ruled for 10 years. <coughs> and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all the days from the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Pul, king of Assyria, came against the land, and Menahem gave Pul a thousand talents of silver that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his control. So one of the things that Menahem, the king of Israel, did is he wanted to gain power by making an alliance with the Assyrians. Now remember, like we said before, the Assyrians is not the same thing as the Syrians. The Syrians is Syria, whereas the Assyrians is a gigantic empire. Gigantic empire. Um, you can see here on this map, like they covered a very, very large area of land, okay? So they're very powerful, and here this king of Israel thought that we can give some money, a uh, thousand talents of silver to the Assyrians, to the king, um, in order for, for us to strengthen our alliance together so that if he is in need of their support militarily, then uh, they, will <coughs> they will come to his aid. And Menahem exacted the money from Israel, from all the very wealthy, from each man 50 shekels of silver, to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. So he, 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 he paid it so that the Assyrians would not conquer them. Now the rest of the acts of Menahem and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Menahem rested with his fathers, then Pekiah, his son, reigned in his place. So who now is the king? Pekiah, the son of Menahem. 
In the fiftieth year of Azariah king of Judah, Pekahiah, the son of Menahem, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned two years. <coughs> and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebad, who made Israel sin. Then Pekah, the son of Remaliah, an officer of his, conspired against him. So Pekah is un unrelated to Pekahiah. Pekahiah the king, Pekah is just another person who was an officer in the army conspired against him and killed him in Samaria and the citadel of the king's house, along with Argob and Ariah. And with him were 50 men of Gilead. He killed him and reigned in his place. So Pekah is now the king. Okay. Now I will show you again this chart um, so we can see it. Where's the chart? Here. Okay. Now if you notice here, we've gone through many kings in a short period of time. Pekah the second from the bottom there, that's the one that we're on. There's only one king left, right, in the history of Israel. Because after that, what's going to happen? The Assyrians will take them. Okay, the Assyrians will take them. That happened in the year 722 B.C. And uh, the the thing with the, the, the exile, so it's an exile in the sense that, like, the people were taken, but they never returned. The southern kingdom of Judah, in 586 B.C., they were taken, but they, after 70 years, they returned again. The northern kingdom, they were completely wiped out, right? So they never returned. So anyone, any Jewish person who traces, you know, their, their, their history back to this time period, like genealogy, right? All of the ten, remember, the, the, the northern kingdom had ten tribes. The majority of the tribes were in the north, right? And so once they were exiled and taken captive, they all, you know, interspersed and, and, and intermarried and, and they lost their identity as the Jewish people because they were living in exile, intermarrying with Gentiles. And like, so they're the, anyone who, 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 who is tracing their genealogy back to Judaism, right, to this time period, it'd be very hard for them to find themselves back to any of these 10 tribes because, because they, they don't have... That their their genealogy includes all of this exile that happened that never they never returned again, okay. So the the last king. Let's see, where are we here? Yeah. So in the book of Hosea, you you mentioned this as well, and you also say that the Lord had protected uh, the lineage of Judah so that Jesus would come through their lineage. How did how did God protect them, and why was Israel the only one that was exiled with the Assyrians, but Judah was not? I guess for 70 years they were, and then they came out. So they're two different countries. So okay. the Assyrians conquered the northern country okay. of Israel, whereas the southern country of Judah had a completely different king, had a different different government, had everything was different about them. So they were considered like two different countries. The, and the king who came to attack the southern kingdom was not the Assyrians, they were the Babylonians. Okay? okay. So so it was a completely different history between okay. the two. Okay. Yeah. So and then one went to exile, never came back, one the other one did. Did came okay. Yes. Okay, so where were we? In the days of Pekah, Pekah, remember, is the second to the last of the Israelite kings. Uh, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came. This actually is the same king that was mentioned before. His name was Pul, P-U-L. Uh, there were Assyrian inscriptions that were found that confirmed that 
Tiglath Pileser is the same as Pul. So they're the same person. Um, so in the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Ejon, Abel, Beth, Maka, Genoa, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. So this is now where the Assyrian captivity is beginning. Okay. Then Hoshea, the son of Elah, led a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Remaliah, and struck and killed him. So he reigned in his place in the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. And um, according to Assyrian writings, Hoshea, in the beginning, submitted to the king of Assyria, who actually helped him kill Pekah. Right? So the Assyrian army helped Pekah, or sorry, helped Hoshea to kill the previous king and to kind of install him to be the king. Now the rest of the acts of Pekah and all that he did, indeed are they written, uh, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Israel. Okay? That is the end of the history of the northern kingdom. Okay? Um, in terms of what happened to them in Israel itself. Okay, because at this point they're all been taken captive. And then we read about other stories about things that happen in 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 the Assyrians, like during the time of the captivity. Like for instance, the book of Esther. The book of Esther happens during this time where uh, after this uh, Assyrian captivity has happened and Esther is, is living in the palace uh, of the king and, and, and all the stories that happen there. So there are other books that talk about what happened to those people who were taken captive, but they are no longer in Israel. Okay. So now we're going to switch back to the south. And maybe now things are going to be less confusing because we only have the south to deal with. Okay. So in the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. So the, the Jotham is now the king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, against Judah. So Jotham rested with his fathers, and he was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. So Ahaz, the son of Jotham, then became the king of Judah. Okay. In the seventeenth year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his sons pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the nations, whom the Lord had cast out from, be from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. So Ahaz was um, a very bad king. And as he's mentioned about him in Second Chronicles chapter 28. It says about him, For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, and made molded images for the Baals. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinoam, and burned his children in the fire, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. It was a common practice among the pagan people to offer child sacrifices. 
and we actually had read about this previously, um, the offering of child sacrifices. So something that this king Ahaz was also doing. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make war, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. Okay, So God actually, even though Ahaz was such a wicked king, God supported Ahaz and protected the kingdom of Judah. Okay, And he prophesied that God would send a sign. Actually, uh, Isaiah the prophet, sorry. Isaiah the prophet, is this is his, the time period where Isaiah the prophet lived. Okay, And God sent Isaiah the prophet to Ahaz, this wicked king of Judah, and, and told him that God would send a sign that he would support Ahaz in this war against Israel and Syria. So Israel, the northern kingdom, <coughs> this is, remember, we went back in time a little bit. So this is before Israel was destroyed. Pekah, the, the, the king of Israel at the time, in alliance with the Syrians, were coming to attack Judah. Who is the king of Judah? Ahaz. And he's good king or bad? Bad king. But God wanted to protect Judah. So he sent who? Isaiah the prophet to Ahaz to tell him that he would see that, that the God would send a sign so that he would know that God is supporting them in the war. Okay. What is the sign? In Isaiah chapter 7, it says this. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. For these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son, the son of Remaliah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you. Remember, Ephraim was one of the tribes of the north, and it was one of the most prominent of the tribes. So sometimes the whole kingdom of Israel was referred to as Ephraim. So in this case, when he's saying Ephraim, he's referring to the kingdom of Israel. So he's saying, because Syria and Israel okay, have plotted against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it. And let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabel. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. So this is a prophecy. Isaiah the prophet is prophesying the complete destruction of Israel. right? And he's saying this as, a, like a, as an encouragement to the Judah saying in 65 years, the whole kingdom of Israel is going to be completely dissolved. They will no longer be a people, so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. Remaliah's son is king, Pekah. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. So, so Isaiah is saying, that God is saying to, to you, Ahaz, when he's talking to Ahaz, king of Judah, he's saying, ask a sign for yourselves from the Lord your God. Okay, But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. He's saying, I'm not going to ask for a sign. Then he said, hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. So he's saying, because you did not ask for a sign to 
like as a as a as a seal and a guarantee of the promise that that God is making to you Ahaz that he is going to deliver you from the 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 attacks of Israel and Syria because you did not ask for a sign God will give you a sign okay it says therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel that's very interesting because we always take that to have a completely different meaning right Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. So how do we understand this? So the, the, the prophecy about a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel was actually what? Well, yes, it is Jesus. But at the, at the context of what, when it was given, what did it mean? Yeah, it means that God is going to protect Judah from the, ass the assault of Israel and Syria. Okay, so how... Can we, like, who is this virgin that she is going to conceive and bear a son? How is that a sign? If it's a sign, it means that it's something that happened, that Ahaz saw. Right? So how do we understand? So, prophecies can have multiple fulfillments. And we see this actually in... Um, and, and many many of the prophecies, right? They have like a, a prophecy, like uh, during like a certain historical time period where, where like something happens, but then it also might be fulfilled again in the end times, right? Here, this prophecy actually had multiple fulfillments. So there was at that time, okay, a virgin sh conceived and bore a son and, and his name was called Emmanuel. This actually happened at the time, right? Yes. So it wasn't only the virgin birth of the Messiah, which it is definitely that, right? But it was also at the time, this was a sign that God sent to Ahaz the king that he was going to grant deliverance for him from his enemies. So it ha both things happen. Now, typically, we don't ever talk about this one, right? Because we're focusing more on like the, the, the messianic prophecy of like, the birth of Christ. But you can tell very clearly here in the book, this is in Isaiah chapter 7, that this prophecy was directed to Ahaz for what? Had nothing to do with the Messiah, like in terms of what he's explaining to Ahaz. He didn't tell Ahaz. He's not talking about salvation of the Messiah to Ahaz. He's talking about defeating Israel and Syria. And this is the sign. He's saying, because you did not ask for a sign, God is going to grant you this sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For behold, the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. The land that you dread will be uh, forsaken by both her kings. We read this a lot in the Psalms as well. Like King David is speaking about like himself and then suddenly like the, the language will, 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 will be speaking about some prophecy that really has nothing to do with him. Right? So, so prophecy sometimes is given in this way, where, where, where prophecy is, is, is given and it can have multiple fulfillments. It can, it can have relevance and, and, 
and significance in the life of the person who is speaking it or, or fulfilled in the time period that is being said at the time, but it can also be fulfilled again with a greater significance later on. And certainly the, the greater significance of this is not the, um, you know, is not the defeat of Israel, but it's the, the, the Messiah. So taken from a spiritual perspective, right, the Messiah, the child to be born from the virgin, is going to grant spiritual victory over Satan, right? Where, where here the enemies of Judah are representing the demonic enemies. They're representing the spiritual enemies. And that the true sign of victory that God is giving us over the spiritual enemies is the Messiah's birth, is the incarnation, right? So, of course, at the time, people didn't understand it this way, right? Only later on did was, was this verse later referred back to saying, oh, actually, this is a messianic prophecy, right? This is, this was, this, at the time, nobody thought of it that way. They thought of it as just, this means that God is going to grant us victory from Israel and Syria. Yeah. So... Back at that time, there was actually like another version that had a son, and he was named Emmanuel. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question. Th that doesn't take any um, specificity about the incarnation of Christ. What do you mean? What do you like it? Yeah, like it. It doesn't make the incarnation of Christ like unique this way. Uh, you mean the idea that there was another person who was born of a virgin? Yeah. Well, so the word virgin um, can also mean young woman. Okay. Actually, when um, when when so you know the story about when Simon the Elder is one of the seventy rabbis who trans who translated the Septuagint, right? And when he was writing the this verse okay um he he wanted to write a young woman into the greek because he didn't uh, he didn't he didn't believe that that the word here the w the same word that could mean like an actual virgin versus a young woman like he didn't mean that it meant a virgin because a virgin can't have a child so he was to write young woman but then he had this uh, this vision and was told no write virgin and you will remain alive until you see the um like the, the the fulfillment of this prophecy and that's why what happened with Simeon the elder when he was in the temple when the parents of the lord brought him right and he saw the child and he lifted him up and said now my um uh, what is it i've seen the the see yes my eyes my eyes have seen the lord is actually saying i can die now like like i can die now because i've seen the fulfillment of the prophecy right the fulfillment of the prophecy so so this word virgin could be meaning also a young woman. So it could be referring to a specific woman who was known at the time, some woman who was known to them at the time um, that gave birth to a son. And again, maybe we don't know the story of this woman. Like Maybe for some reason this woman was barren or for some other reason the idea of this woman giving birth to a son was like very significant. But everybody knew what, was what they were talking about. Okay? So, but of course, when it came to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's referring to like the, the an actual virgin. Okay, so those are some possibilities. But but what I wanted to highlight is the original meaning of this verse, as it was given, was as a sign for something that was significant to them at the time, right? So it has multiple fulfillments.
I can try to find uh, I can try to find some resources. Seventy. Just remind text me to remind me. Okay. And at that time, Rezin, king of Syria, captured Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. Then the Edomites went to Elath and dwell there to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to tiglath Pileser, remember that's the king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. So as we said, he had made this deal with the Syrian Assyrians, saying, come help me fight. And Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house and sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So every time everybody takes all the money in the temple of God and they just always, you take this money, send it to whoever it is to seek from them help. Nobody is asking help from God, right? Nobody is saying, no, this is the temple of God. This is the house of God where God is going to protect us. Nobody's asking for help from God. They're always asking, taking what is like pillaging what is God's, giving it to the other nations and then asking them for help. Um, sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria heeded him, for the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it, carried its people captive to Ker, and killed Rezin. And now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus. So, so Assyria, uh, the, uh, the Assyrians helped them by conquering Damascus, okay, Damascus in Syria. So King Ahaz, after this victory, went to Syria, Damascus, to meet with the Assyrian king, the one who conquered Syria. Okay, And when he was there, he saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Urijah the priest the design of the altar and its pattern according to all its workmanship. Okay, So what did, why was he doing this? He, he, he liked the, the design of the altar that he saw in Damascus when he was visiting there. Okay, So he told the high priest, Urijah, to, um, to make an altar that is matching this pattern, this, this design that he saw. And he would take from the articles of the temple that were made according to God's command, and he would take them from the temple, and he would put them with this new altar that he is going to build. Then Urijah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Urijah the priest made it before King Ahaz and came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So he's now offering on this new altar. Remember, the, the altar that was in Damascus is a pagan altar. This is not a altar of God. This is a pagan altar. He's using the design of the pagan altar instead of the design of the altar and the temple that God had given to Solomon. Okay, so this is very bad. So he burned his burnt offering and his grain offering and poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord, from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord and put it on the north side of the new altar. So he took the altar, the bronze altar, which was the one from the temple, and he moved it to where it would be now with this new altar that he built. Then King Ahaz commanded Urijah 
the priest, saying, On the great new altar, born, bo burn the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt offering, the, his grain offering, with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering and their drink offerings, and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offerings and all the blood of the sacrifice. <coughs> and the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Urijah the priest according to all that King Ahaz commanded. And King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts. The carts were the, the, the carts that uh, would have like w washing vessels um, in, the, in the temple. He cut off the panels of the carts, removed the lavers. These are the sinks that they would wash. And he took down the sea. What is the sea? You know the sea? Is the, is the very, very large washing basin that was built as part of the temple. Okay? So he took down the sea from the bronze oxen that were under it. Remember it had... Uh, 12 oxen, three on each side, facing each direction, okay? Um, he, he took down the sea from the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on a pavement of stones. Also, he removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Assyria. So he's completely destroying the temple and, and taking from it in order to incorporate it into this new altar that he has built. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaz, which he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. Hezekiah is going to be the next king, and he's actually going to be a very good king. Um, so we'll read about him next time, God willing. Any final questions? Are there prophets still? Yeah, like Isaiah the prophet. Yeah, why yeah. did he come and say, what are you doing? Or um, I don't know. Uh, there definitely is times where, where God is sending the prophets. Actually, he does. He, the, the, the prophets do go, and they, they tell the kings um, to stop. Um, it's, it's highlighted more in the prophetic books rather than here. Um, but, uh, but, but the kings ignore the prophets, and they kill the prophets. Right. So so yes, um that there definitely is that, but it's it's this this here is focusing more on like the political history rather than the work of the prophets. But in the prophetic books there's more description of the work of the prophets. Yeah. Okay. Come pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask, O Lord, for your mercy and kindness and love toward us. We ask that you help us and strengthen us as we continue our sojourn in this life. We ask that you help us to learn the lessons of all of those who came before us, those who are righteous and those who are wicked, and to understand why, O Lord, those who are wicked turned, O Lord, away from you, that even though you offered them every good thing, and you made yourself known to them and showed your mercy and love and provision to them, that they still turned their backs on you and sought after, O Lord, the wickedness in their own heart. We ask, O God, that you grant us your mercy and you help us, O Lord, to remain 
uh, protected and guarded from the evil one who tempts us and seeks to lead us astray from you. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.